Good day and welcome to Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. I am your host, Rondel Donawa, attorney at law, and I'm pleased once again to join you to bring you the law and you. Of course, you can stream us on all platforms at WESNCC. Now, today's episode, um, it's a bit different. Well, not a bit different, but it's current. And we are dealing with a state of emergency. As you know, President Paula May Weeks proclaimed a state of emergency just a few days ago, um, particularly on the 16th of May 2021, um, in an effort to stem the spread of the COVID-19 pandemic virus. And of course, many persons have a lot of questions because, as you know, daily there are updates um, in terms of the state of emergency, um, emergency powers regulations, as well as the public health regulations. And you may want to know what is a state of emergency, how does it affect you, what rights are limited, how long is the state of emergency, and what are the consequences for non-compliance. I have with me today a guest um, who is learned in the field of law and particularly in constitutional matters as well as many other matters. Her name is Mrs. Zelika Haynes Suhan. And I will just um, give you a brief uh, bio of, of who is um, Zelika Haynes Suhan. She's an attorney at law of 10 years practice, just over 10 years practice in civil litigation, um, including co uh, commercial law, public law, personal injury, running down claims, as well as um, other matters. Um, in 2009, she was the recipient of a very presti uh, prestigious um, Chagning Scholarship Award, which allowed her to pursue and obtain a Master of Law degree in International Arbitration and Commercial Litigation at the University College in London. She previously worked at the Ministry of the Legal Affairs and Attorney General for approximately 10 years. So she is well, well experienced in this area that we're going to speak about. She's also a partner, um, a managing partner at a local firm located in Port of Spain, um, which specializes in litigation and dispute resolution. Uh, so I have with me in studio, Mrs. Zelika Haynes Suhan. Good morning, Zelika. Good morning, Rondell. And how are you? I am well, thank you. And thank you for um, uh, coming out of your busy schedule to be here with us today uh, to just impart knowledge um, to the citizens on a state of emergency. So we are grateful. Yes, thank you for having me. Good. So let's get right into it. Um, many persons ask, what is a state of emergency? A state of emergency is a situation of national disaster or danger in which a government um, suspends the normal constitutional procedures until they can regain control. Um, in our country, the state of emergency is governed by our constitution. Yes. And in this case, the president has proclaimed a state of emergency. Now, what, what instances are um, that the president can proclaim a state of emergency? So the president has to be satisfied. There are really three main instances under our constitution. State of war, if there's a war going on. A public emergency, for example, what we are having right now with the COVID-19 virus. Hurricane, earthquake, any sort of situation like that. And then uh, public safety, where there's an imminent threat. Um, an example of that could be, for example, an act of terrorism. So those are the three main areas which can cover a number of situations. Now, we've seen whereby um, with the state of emergency, uh, the president, or at least the, there would have been uh, regulations uh, that were released. Can you explain um, to the public what are those um, regulations? Yes, so under the state of emergency, regulations are issued 
which are basically the do's and don'ts, yes. what you can do and what you cannot do. Um, the regulations that have been issued thus far indicate a few things to us, and I'll just point out a few of them. Certainly. For example, one, as you know, we are aware, we are under a curfew. So you're not to leave your home from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. They also, the regulations also indicate essential services. So unless you fall under essential service, you should not be going to work on a daily basis. You should work from home. And even if you fall under essential service, once your work allows you to work from home, you should stay home. Now, now the essential services. Now, I know there would have been a lot of um, confusion um, in terms of the regulations, which exempts essential services from, um, from that curfew hours. Um, can you just explain exactly if those uh, essential services require curfew passes or how does it work? Right. So the curfew passes um, are issued by the commissioner of police. Um, my understanding, the commissioner has you know, issued a number of releases concerning these passes. My understanding is that not every essential worker would require a pass. It is only the essential workers that are required to work between the hours of 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. That is during the curfew hours. So if you're an essential worker, but your hours of work are 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., you would not require a curfew pass from the Commissioner of Police. Yes. You will only require a pass if you have to work between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. Right. And, um, and in terms of the length of a state of emergency, what, what is, because of course we saw that the emergency pause regulations were um, published sometime over the 17th and persons were asking where there's no end date. And then they were looking at the public health regulations yes. and thinking that the public health regulations are the ones that the end date of that, which is I think somewhere in July, um, that, that is the end date of a state of emergency. Can you clarify that position to the public? Yes, so it's very important to note that the state of emergency regulations is different from the public health regulations. And right now we have both regulations in force. The, under the state of emergency regulations, there's no end date, but the constitution provides for it. So under our constitution, you first have the state of emergency. When it's proclaimed, it lasts for 15 days. And if it is to be extended, it's by resolution, simple majority in the House of Representatives. You can extend it up to three months at a time, and as a, at a total of six months. And thereafter, you have to get a three-fifths majority from both houses in the Parliament. Yeah. So no. you would have seen recently, the Attorney General would have indicated that the government plans to extend the state of emergency for, for three months in the first instance. No, no, you, you said three months. I note, I know that there would have been a resolution just recently published, I think, um, yesterday, um, with respect to uh, uh, getting Parliament to approve an extension of three months. Is it that Parliament will approve the three months extension? How does it, how does it work in terms of a simple majority? Explain the simple majority pro, um, process. Right. So um, there's actually going to be a, a debate on it, and um, then. The normal process in Parliament where they vote, it's a simple majority, and then the state of emergency would be extended for the three-month period. Of course, Randall, that does not mean that the state of emergency has to last the entire time, um, because the state of emergency can be revoked at any time as well by resolution. So, for example, if after two months, uh, the government and the health officials uh, feel confident that we have been able to control the spread of the COVID-19 virus, they can, by resolution, the parliament can, by resolution, revoke the state of emergency. 
And okay, now in um, in terms of the what you can and what you cannot do uh, with respect to the regulations, what can you do? Or actually, what can't you do um, in this instance? Because <laughs> I know there has been a lot of debate about that. Right. So I think basically the regulations they are aimed at stopping us from you know gathering in large groups from communicating, from traveling, and spreading the virus. So the basic don'ts under the regulations. Don't go out in public and exercise. Don't gather more than five people in public. Stay at home if you can. Um, but one important question that I have been getting a lot of is, can you still have a wedding? So under the state of emergency regulations, you still can have your wedding. It must be limited to 10 people, both in the church and in the reception. Another question that I got a lot of is with regard to domestic workers. Domestic yes. workers are not essential services. So, no, your domestic worker, unless they are a live-in worker, cannot um, travel to come to your home. They are not an essential service. And then what about, um, I, I saw that um, the consumption of alcohol in a public place. Correct. Well. So no consuming of alcohol in a public place either. So that's a big don't. Um, another thing that we should note under the regulations um, is with regard to medical emergencies. So a lot of people say, you know, what if I have an elderly person at home that requires medical attention at a hospital during the curfew hours? That is an exception. You're allowed to transport those who have medical emergencies to, an hus to a hospital during the curfew hours. Yes. So those are things to note. And, and of course, I, I note that the Commission of Police did state that um, the police will, again, will be accompanying you. And of course, if you do not have that emergency, then you can face the full brunt of the law. Of course. So, of course, it has to be a genuine emergency, a genuine medical emergency. Not that you went, you know, to check somebody. <laughs> you know, you went to check a partner. Yes. It's not, it's not that type of emergency. It is a genuine medical emergency. And what about um, the definition of, of a public place? Now, I, a question was posed to me, um, and of course, this is, this is subject to interpretation, uh, whereby you live in a gated community, and um, someone or persons asking if they can exercise within that gated community. What is your interpretation as to whether they can exercise in that gated community? You know, what is a public place has been, you know, something that has been debated in our courts for a number of years. Um, you know, recently we had a decision from our court with regard to a ministry, whether a ministry is a public place, and the court basically held certain floors may be open to the public, but then certain floors that limit access to the public and is not a public place. So it really depends on the circumstances. I think once you are adhering to the regulations, which is you're not gathering in more than five, and you are by yourself exercising, not, with, not during the curfew hours, I think that would be acceptable. Um, you know, the regulations, they are but, really but, aiming... But exercising, sorry, but exercising by yourself in, well, while you're in the gated community on the streets, is it that because, uh, because the gated community will have a, a roadway um, in terms of access? So can one, uh, can one exercise on the street in that gated community? <laughs> I would say that you can, but once okay. you do so safely, right? You remember the whole reason for the regulations is not really to give people a hard time. Mm -hmm. We are dealing with a very serious situation, a pandemic. So once you are exercising safely, you, you, know, you are wearing your mask, 
you're not, you know, you're not going down the street and talking to every neighbor and lineman. I think that is acceptable. But you have to remember that even in a private community, in a gated community, the police can still come in. The members of the defense force can still come in and say, you know, you're not adhering to the regulations. Yes. There's a public danger here and they can order you to go back home. So I think you have to do it within the ambit of the regulations and what the regulations are trying to achieve during this pandemic. Now, you discussed the defense force. Now, we know it a state of emergency. All arms of the state in terms of our armed forces are required to be in, on alert. Now, what are the powers of the, of the police in this instance with respect to powers of arrest, detention, etc.? Right. So the regulations give the police um, the power to arrest without a warrant. And it's a very wide uh, power. Anyone who they think um, has committed, is about to commit some sort of act that is endangering the public safety with regard to the COVID-19 virus and public health in general. So the police have very wide powers of arrest. But what these regulations have also done, Rondell, is that they have also given the police additional authority, not only to arrest, but they can send you home. They can say, disperse this gathering. You go home. You go home. So it's not only arrest. The police are not just going to go out and arrest everyone. Um, they can use discretion and just say, you know, this gathering here, it's not in accordance with the regulations. Everybody go home, please. And, and um, in terms of the, the, uh, the, the, the defense force, uh, do they have powers? Do they have the same powers as a police or supplemental police? Do, they have, do all of them have the same powers of arrest? Right. So members of the defense force have been given powers of arrest similar to that of police. Yes. And we have to remember as well, Rondell, that we have the um, public health regulations that are also in force. So although the state of emergency regulations doesn't have it, you still have to wear your mask in public. You still have to wear a mask in a vehicle if you're not alone. Those public health regulations are still in force. And so members of the police service, members of the defense force, they do have the powers under the state of emergency regulations to arrest without a warrant. And is this, I mean, I know the law stays within reason. What is a reasonable or, or using reasonable force? Now, what, what the definition of, of reasonable force um, in arresting in someone? Well, how, how does a layman look at what is a reasonable, what is reasonable? <laughs> I think what is reasonable depends on the circumstances. You know, it, it is difficult to say what is reasonable um, if you don't have the facts before you. But obviously, if, you know, the police have asked you to go home, uh, to go back to your home, and you refuse, you're sitting there, they're going to have to use some sort of force either to pick you up, to put you in a vehicle. So it depends on the circumstances what is reasonable. And it is reasonable depending on the person's behavior towards the police. So it's best if members of the public, you cooperate with the police, and, you know, you just follow their instructions. Delco, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. You are watching Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. Welcome back. You are watching Strictly Legal. I am your host, Rhonda Donoa. And in studio, I have with me Mrs. Zelika Haynes-Suhan, attorney at law. We are discussing the state of emergency 
what you should know. So, Seneca, as we were saying before the break in terms of what you can and what you cannot do, um, tell the public, what, what are the consequences for breaching a state of emergency or breaching the emergency powers regulation? So, if you breach the regulations, Rondell, you are liable to a fine of $250,000. Yeah, $250,000. I hope you're all hearing that, yes. yes. <laughs> as well as six months imprisonment. Um, on summary conviction. So it's a very hefty sum fine because we are dealing with a very serious situation. And so, you know, members of the public really ought to follow the regulations and ensure that they are not in a position where they have to be appear before a magistrate. I saw recently, you know, um, some persons who were charged under the regulations, they pled guilty and so forth. Um, so you would be taken before a magistrate and, you know, dealt with accordingly. Now, uh, the, the fine for the breaching of the emergency powers regulation is different from the, of the fine for breaching the, uh, the, 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 uh, the other regu the public health, health regulations. regulations. Sorry about that. Uh, well, what are the consequences for, for breaching those, regu those regulations as well? So, under the public health regulations, you would recall, if you don't wear a mask, you get a fine $1,000. If you are responsible for a child who is not wearing a mask in public, sorry, if you don't wear a mask in public, those fines are still very much um, applicable under the state of emergency. Um, if you're in a vehicle where you're not wearing a mask, you can get fined as well. But also, there's a hefty fine and imprisonment if you breach quarantine. So um, there are fines, tickets, yes, but then there's also, you know, more serious fines and consequences if you breach quarantine. And those public health regulations are in force during the state of emergency. And it works together with the emergency powers regulations. It works together. So you can be charged under both if you are found to be in breach of both the SOE regulations as well as the public health regulations. Now, we've seen, we've seen previously um, where a lot, of, a, a lot of restrictions that, were on, that are now under the emergency powers regulations or previously under the, the public health regulations have been transferred to the emergency powers regulations. Uh, now, a lot of persons may be operating businesses um, that is restricted. Um, is the fine the same? In, in, are the consequences the same? Well, the consequences won't be the same because, remember, now under the SOE regulations, um, the police can come into private spaces and tell you, you know, close up shop if you are not adhering to the um, health and regulations as well. So under the public health regulations, you also are required, businesses are required to follow the Ministry of Health guidelines um, for businesses, you know, have hand sanitizer, wear masks, how many people are allowed in the business. You'll also find that for public transportation, Rundell, under the public health regulations, only 50% capacity. And if you were to look at the public health regulations, they actually have a map as to which seats must remain vacant in, for example, a maxi taxi. So it's very important that the public understands that we have both the state of emergency regulations as well as the public health regulations, which we must follow both of them. And then with respect to the emergency powers regulations, now we know that certain businesses are restricted. So is it that the fine as well for, let's say, opening up a, a roti shop will be $250,000?
Yes, definitely the, the owners, the, the persons, and then the employees. You're opening up your employees to also be arrested and, you know, charged under the regulations. Um, if you do, if you are not an essential service and you open for business. And, um, and also, we saw today that there was a legal notice. I mean, I know the public may not know, but there was a legal notice that was published uh, this morning with respect to uh, the tribunal. Uh, tribunals that are convened by the, the uh, uh, panel, uh, one nominated by the Chief Justice and I believe the, the Attorney General. Can you just explain to the public what, how does this tribunal um, coincide with this emergency powers regulations? Yes, so Rondell, the tribunal um, that was appointed via regulations this well, last night into this morning, um, that tribunal is appointed under our constitution, I believe it's section 11. Now, if you are arrested pursuant to the state of emergency regulations, you can make an application before the tribunal for them to hear your case. And it gives you a chance to say, listen, I didn't breach the regulations. And then the tribunal hears your case, they make a determination, and then they suggest certain things to the relevant authorities, right? But it is to be noted that the authorities need not follow the decision of the tribunal. So it is, once again, another opportunity for members of the public, you know, to ensure that there is no abuse. You know, a lot of people are afraid of abuse by the police during a state of emergency. The tribunal is one way to ensure that there is no abuse. Of course, another way is that you appear before a magistrate and you get to have a fair hearing of whatever offense you are charged with. Now, is it that you can elect to go straight before the tribunal instead of the magistrate? Because I know um, it's, it's a summary offense as well. Uh, so what, what, what are your views on that? Well, I think um, you will have to appear before the magistrate as well, Rondell. And I think that the tribunal is just yet another uh, way for persons, you know, who really feel as though they have been wronged under the state of emergency regulations or by some authority. It's just another avenue um, for you to be able to um, have your matter heard. Now, it's important to, 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 um, to give the differentiation uh, between a curfew and a state of emergency in that some persons believe a curfew is a state of emergency. Yes. Can you have a curfew outside of a state of emergency? So you can have a, a curf you can have a state of emergency without a curfew. Okay. Right? Yes. So you can have a state of emergency with no curfew. And you would see under the regulations the commissioner of police is given the power to change the time of the curfew by order. So the commissioner of police can issue an order and change the time of the curfew. So, because that, that was my that that was an interpretation. I wasn't sure whether or not he needs to have the uh, consult the the executive before changing that time. Because of of course the the curfew hours have been imposed by the executive, not so. Well, I think that in this situation there would be a lot of communication between, especially the public health officials, the executive, the commissioner of police, because we are fighting something very unique. We are fighting this COVID-19 virus that spreads very quickly. So I think in this situation, this particular situation we have found ourselves in, there will be a lot of communication and consultation throughout the various arms of the state. Because, Rondell, we have, we have to be in this together to be able to get through this pandemic. And of course, as you say, the, the, the Commissioner of Police will not just decide to, I mean, he has the powers, but then it, it is a joint effort um, in terms of who, in terms of how we, we extend curfew hours, etc. Correct. 
And of course, it will be by order, so the public will be given notice so that, you know, no one is caught off guard and you all of a sudden 6 p.m. curfew and you didn't know about it. So it will be by order, it will be published, it will be in the newspapers, it will be, you know, the public will be aware if the curfew times do change. And is there anything in the emergency powers regulations that you think that the public ought to know, particularly during this point in time? I think that the public really needs to play their part. And the regulations are really aimed at trying to limit movement and trying to stop the spread of the COVID-19 virus. So I think that when you consider the state of emergency regulations, I think, you know, there's a great part of individual responsibility there that we all need to play our part to flatten this curve. And flattening the curve is, is what will get us out of this situation of a state of emergency. Correct. And, and as quickly as possible. And um, just a, a question, final question before we go. Does the president has the power to refuse proclaiming a state of emergency? Well, I think the president has to be satisfied. And if the president is not satisfied, I think it is well within the president's um, discretion not to sign a proclamation. So the president must be satisfied, but I don't think that arises in this situation because I think we all realize that the COVID-19 pandemic has hit us, hit the world at a rate. And so I think in this situation, um, the president was very satisfied, if I can say that, yeah. um, that you know, a state of emergency was required. And you would, you would see that throughout the Caribbean, throughout the world, a uh, number of countries have a state of emergency and curfews in place in attempting to flatten the curve and stop the spread of this COVID-19 virus. And of course, it's not unique to us. It is not. And we, um, in Parliament, I think is on Monday, um, yes. the, the, the extension is going to be debated. Yes. Uh, a, lot of a lot of citizens are a bit uh, concerned that three months is quite a long time. I think you would have touched on the point where Parliament, although they can extend for three months, they can also revoke at any time before the three months expires. Correct. So Parliament can revoke yeah. and they can further extend it. So that's why it's so important for us to play our part and, you know, the individual responsibility in trying to flatten the curve. Zelika, uh, thank you so much uh, for, for imparting that knowledge of, of what a state of emergency is. I'm sure uh, the viewers and listeners will be indeed satisfied and they will take, they will take everything in and stay at home. That's most important. So thank you once again and all the best. Thank you for having me. Be safe. You have been watching Strictly Legal on WESN Cap uh, Content Capital. Uh, please remember, be safe, stay home, sanitize. If you do not have to go out, please stay at home. We are all in this together. So with that being said, do have a great day and God bless. Thank you.